Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. Second time lucky, guys. The the bars look a lot better this time around. Um, as ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by a happy, I think, Vito Doria. Vito, how are you keeping? As if I haven't just asked you this two minutes ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, I'm I'm all right, but uh, for me, it just feels like another weekend. To be honest, nothing out of the ordinary. <laughs> how about you, Connor? A little bit of deja vu. Yeah, Vito, I'm the exact same, the exact same as you are. We're also joined by mathematician Kev Pugzowski. I promise, guys, it was funnier when I said that the, the first time around. Kev, um, just, I mean, look, regular listeners of this podcast know that you have a weird thing about kits, but then claim that your weird thing about kits is actually a problem with people who have a weird thing about kits. So to prove that you don't have a weird obsession with kits you've been doing some maths about kits is that right yeah some some analyses on kits worn in syria because i really dislike when sides change out of their traditional colors because there must be some benefit to playing in something familiar to you surely right so look what have you been doing you absolute wrong and you've you've made a spreadsheet of of sorts yep I've gone through every single game for the first uh, half of the season. What? Every single game? Every single game. So that's like I, 200 games. Uh, there have been 380... Oh, actually, that's individual records. So we are on... <laughs> yeah, so you've got uh, a lot of games. And um, and, and I've I've been the judge of whether there was a kit clash or not. Uh, <laughs> however, to judge that, I've gone back in history to see if, say, Lazio have worn okay. blue against Atalanta before. So if they have, I have deemed that they can do it again now because they have done in the past. I understand mm. that for some uh, colourblind viewers, there are certain kits historically that make it very difficult for them. But then the club seem to care very little about that when they change colours anyway. So why should I, when I'm looking at my... Uh, my analysis right so what's the the standout findings because i know you've got a personal problem in years gone by with sampdoria because they like a, a novelty kit you have a problem with atalanta because they do a christmas charity kit you don't like charities um basically you don't like charity or qualiorella so that's why you don't like atalanta or samp but who wears the most kits and i suppose the most interesting question is who wears the most needless kits Palmer wear the most needless kits. Oh, what a surprise. They've got two yeah. away kits this season and a third kit. 
Nine times they've changed when they haven't had to. And Atalanta, Samp and Juve have all worn four different shirts this year. Yeah? Mm. Juve? Yep. I didn't realise Juve had that many shirts. Well, they've had their traditional black and white. They've had their human race kit that you like so much. Of Uh, course, I forgot about that. They had their dark blue number, which is the nicest kit. And then the orange monstrosity that they wore yesterday. Yes. Uh, Yes, Um, it was yesterday. It was. Okay. Um, What about Genoa? Because I'm sure Vito will probably have something he'd like to say about Genoa. So uh, we might as well ask, what are their statistics looking like? Genoa running wore three shirts this year. Uh, They didn't come into my top percentile, so they're not written down in front of me. And I won't bore you by clicking through my spreadsheet uh, today because, you know, there's more, there's more room for fun like this next weekend. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously we want to have the full season statistics on our very last pod. Of course we do. Yeah. Um, Vito, anything to, to jump in with on this? Oh, look, put it this way. It's probably better that general just have the three kits. I mean, uh, do we really need to, you know, give all these different colours and designs to, you know, if you're a Sump fan, um, basically glorified toilet paper. <laughs> uh, very, very on brand from you, that one, Vito. I, I wouldn't have expected anything else. Kev, <laughs> anything else to report from your findings or? Okay. I, I we'll leave them with one last statistic, which is okay. out of 135 games, obviously contested by 270 teams that did not have to change their kits, 36% of those teams decided to wear alternative shirts to what they were supposed to. Horrific. For for us traditionalists out there. Are you preparing an article on this? Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to read it. (laughs) Well, you've you've made us listen to it for five minutes, haven't you? (laughs) Listeners, I'm very, very sorry. Um, But... Look, he's got it off his chest. He's put a lot of work in. I just want to ask Kev, everything all right with with Stace, yeah? Yeah, these are these are the late nights. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she she likes to sleep a lot. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised after listening to you go on about that for the last five minutes. But anyway, let's get on to the football because there there has been some. Looking through the the results from this weekend in Serie A, there hasn't actually been too many surprising results but we'll start at the top because Milan fans are very very sensitive recently guys and look they are still top um they beat Bologna 2-1 away Ante Revic and Frank Kessie scored from the penalty spot um I did laugh when I said penalty there Milan fans don't worry I'm not I'm not suggesting anything and Andrea Pauli a former Milan player scored for the Rosso Blue late on Probably because he was so good when he when he played at Milan that he learned these skills there because Milan are such a really good football club. Um, but Vito, Milan, top of the league, 2-1 win at Bologna. Outstanding from the Rossoneri. Is that mm-hmm. positive enough? Oh, I hope, I hope so. Otherwise, on Twitter, <laughs> we'll definitely get the backlash. But look, they continue their winning ways and... Um... Uh, Cassie once again showed his uh, reliability from the penalty spot. So although Zlatan, he's been fantastic in scoring in open play, um, he had his fourth penalty miss of the season. But Cassie uh, showed that he's the dependable one. And in this game, I thought it was probably the battle of the goalkeepers because Lukas Skorupski made some excellent saves for Bologna. But uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma, mm. he too made some uh, fabulous saves. So, um, yeah, some uh, outstanding goalkeeping uh, on show in this particular match. Donnarumma, I, I mean, he is a, a fantastic goalkeeper. And I think it, his his brilliance has kind of been lost, actually, in what a lot of Milan have done. Because a lot of the attention has been on, and quite understandably, Zlatan and Teo Hernandez for, for most of this season. But... Donnarumma, Kev, he's he's got to be up there now as one of, if not the best in Italy, and arguably around Europe as well. I mean, you could probably name Alisson, uh, Oblak, Ter Stegen, Neuer probably, but then Donnarumma's very much up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think um, what game it was a couple of weeks back where, where he had an outstanding game, but Milan probably still won. So again, it kind of just went went past without sort of being noticed. Um, 
I've been quite critical of him in in the past. I mean, you know, he's although I say I've been critical, I was kind of I sort of sugarcoated it by the fact that he was so young, you know, mm. and he started so young. But he's got that experience where you'd expect him maybe not to make the errors that he he has in the past. But we are talking maybe eighteen months or or more ago now, um, and I think he's he's probably benefited from. Uh, people showing faith in him a little when he's had those mistakes because you see it where with lots of sort of young goalkeepers that come on the scene, people think they're the, you know, the, the next best thing. And then suddenly as soon as they make a mistake, they get dropped and they don't give them that, don't not, don't aren't given that time to sort of work through their issues, get that a little bit more experience, particularly with him being in the spotlight at being the, um, the Italy number one as well. And they've kind of stuck with him um, as Milan have at times. So, yeah, I mean, it's only going to help him get better and better and better. And I would not be surprised if one day we're talking about him being the best in the world. It's quite frightening, isn't it? Because he broke through, obviously, when Milan were maybe not at their lowest ebb, but they weren't far above it. I mean, it was <laughs> they were in full-blown crisis mode when Donnarumma came through. But he came through that storm, which is quite impressive. And it, it, it's... Uh, it shows just what kind of character he has. Obviously, there was all that controversy as well when he almost left the club, what, maybe three years ago now, 2017, I think it was, that summer. But he's still there. He's gotten better. He's clearly quite a thick-skinned kid. I mean, he was going on Italy under 21, Judy, and having fans throw fake money at him as insults. And yeah, Vito, Gianluigi Donnarumma, it's, it's not a surprise that he's good, but it it also kind of is. <laughs> well, look, when he when he broke out um, all those years ago, around 2015, 2016, he, he looked um, incredibly tall for his age back then. And then he, he showed that he had uh, incredible reflexes and could make fantastic saves. Um, as, uh, look, as he's gotten older, he's definitely picked up more match experience. And although he can uh, still make the odd era, error here and there or even uh, can see sometimes uh, a soft goal I think we need to look more at the positives and that the saves he does make they are absolutely fantastic and uh, he's he's only 21 but he's had this experience so I think uh, we'll probably all be on a journey to see how great his uh, career becomes because he definitely has most of the attributes to become a great uh, goalkeeper and uh, probably now, probably the only criticism which probably, you know, has been brought up in the past is probably the fact that maybe with the ball in his feet, he might need to improve a bit more because that's what is expected of modern goalkeepers. Otherwise, from a traditional perspective or more conventional way of looking at goalkeepers, I think he's got many attributes to become a great goalkeeper. Mm, he absolutely does. And if we're lo- talking about this Milan team, I think, again, they, ju- they just keep winning, right? They had a little blip. They had a couple of disappointing results, namely against Milan, Juventus, Inter. Three big games to lose, but this is a big win, given those circumstances. And the fact that, Kev, they're still top. And every week, they- they're seemingly juggling a new problem, right? This time, Fikayo Tomori came in and he played... Obviously, he had to come on before this unexpectedly early for a debut, but he started this time around, played the full 90 minutes and impressed. Yeah, I, I would say that Bologna didn't throw too much at them. So no, they, no, no, they, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to say that. Um, but I think it's they're, they're doing exactly what's needed at the moment where they're two points ahead of Inter and we're only halfway through the season. I think if they were to... To fall behind one of the other sides, let's say in the next sort of quarter of the season. I mean, if they can keep themselves just above everybody else going into the final sort of nine ten games, um, that's going to help them a lot. I mean, if they if they were to lose some of these games that have been quite difficult on the back of going out of the Coppa Italia, um, I think we could maybe see a bit more of a sort of slide for them. Not necessarily outside of the top four, but away from the from the top. And how they're dealing with the issues they're having at the moment is is um, credit to them. Yeah, for sure. What do you make of Tomori? You probably watch a bit more Premier League than the other two of us here. Do you think he could 
have an impact at Milan. Obviously, his exit from Chelsea was a little bit strange. Well, I think similar to to Donnarumma, he he came in at Chelsea. He was very young. He'd had a he'd had a good season under the then manager Frank Lampard at, at Derby. Um, but as soon as he sort of made the first first couple of errors, it looked a little shaky because of the quality of the the squad there. He was maybe just sort of dropped and forgotten about a little bit and not allowed to play through his issues. And if Milan have got um, injury, uh, you know, mini injury crisis and he's forced to play, then I think even if he had the odd blip, you know, it, it will be good for him and good for good for the club if he can play through it. But he certainly he's, the quality's there um, mm. with him. He's got a shot on him as well, right? He's scored a couple, I think, for Chelsea that were quite impressive. Um, right, Vito, I don't like when people describe footballers as being underrated, particularly when they're playing for some of the biggest clubs in, in the world. But I really think Davide Calabria is one of the most underrated fullbacks around. He goes about his business very quietly. This season, he has been very impressive every time I've seen him play. And... He's becoming quite an important player for Milan, unexpectedly, perhaps. Indeed. Uh, probably without uh, going into too much uh, detail, he he was probably responsible for an error which led to Bologna creating a chance. So I don't think uh, he has improved tenfold, but I think his mistakes in general probably do get scrutinised by uh, Rossoneri fans uh, far too often because he does uh, look like he's improved. Um, I think both defensively and offensively he has got better. And uh, I think he was against general, if I'm not mistaken. He did score a nice goal. So I think uh, with the way the rest of the team is playing too, he's really improved. He's had more. He's playing with more confidence, and I think that's helping him become more effective and less uh, error-prone. So I think that's beneficial for him as a player as well as his teammates. I was thinking about this the other day and um, it was a bit like... So you remember when uh, Andrea Conti went to, to Milan? And then oh, do quite, I? But quite, you know, quite quickly got injured. Uh, and Calabria was then obviously kind of a little bit in and out of sight actually around that time. But it's one of those things, when a player's out injured, they, they get better. They get better through not yeah. playing. So when Calabria was playing and sort of making the odd mistake here and there, everybody's like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a placeholder until Conte comes back and Conte is so much better and everything else. And then the reality is, is again, that spell in the side has improved Calabria. And actually, he maybe wasn't as bad back when the Milan fans who probably want, you know, were, were desperate for Conte to come back mm. as they thought. It was just that there was always this person sort of nipping at his heels. Well, not nipping at his heels because he was injured, but, you know, <laughs> there in the background, almost overshadowing what he was doing in the side. Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth in that for sure. Milan fans, hopefully that's positive enough. For you guys, I don't know. It seems like you're impossible to please. But I don't know if you saw this, Kev, on Twitter. I know Vito ended up getting involved. But uh, apparently, us saying that we don't think a couple of losses will derail Milan's season completely is negative towards Milan. And talking about it being the end of the world for them. So I don't know what we're supposed to say. Well, I'm one of your people. Uh, which I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I've ever been, ever been anybody's people. <laughs> I love it. Um, that 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 guy who, who piped up apparently is a listener. Um, but I mean, I, I went back because I was curious because his name just you know when you get a tweet from someone and you think I, I recognize you. I don't know why, but I recognize you. So I went back. Um, he's basically interacted with me. I think three or four times. One the last one before this was in response to me saying that Milan really might win the league this season but again negative towards Milan and one of the times before that was he was unhappy because I was happy when Atalanta beat Milan 5-0 it's like all right you've you've popped up twice after two Atalanta wins complaining so but I'm the biased one and he's the one with Milan all over his Twitter account anyway there you go on to second place, we've got Inter. They beat Benevento 4-0. They were helped in the first half through a Ricardo Improta own goal, and it did take them a while to break down Benevento, who had no shots on target because they had no shots at all. Um, but 
Inter did win 4-0. Latar Martinez scored shortly after halftime and then Romelu Lukaku scored twice. Kev, um, the kind of result Inter really needed. Yeah, absolutely. I managed to see the, um, the the opening goal, the own goal, which was just bizarre, frankly. Um, but I didn't I didn't catch the match until sort of fifty minutes into the second half. And um, interesting what you've just said because Benevento looked woeful, you know, trying to defend, trying to go forward. And if I'm going to be negative about a victory at all, I I, I, you know, I struggled to find positives for Inter just because they really didn't have to do very much. Oh, come on. It, it was on four now. I know, I know, but it was it was it was so easy for them watching the sort of the 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 forty minutes I I saw. Um, even even you, you praise Martinez for closing the ball down for the the third goal. It must have been because it dropped to Lukaku and I think he put it away. Mm. But it wasn't as if even as if they were they were playing out from the back positively, and you know they kind of allowed him to to, to put that pressure on, but. They just again. They just got to keep going. They've had fantastic win in the week, so you really wanted to follow that up because the Coppa Italia win was huge, given the whole aggro around the Lukaku. Uh, we'll talk about that. Don't worry. Thing. Um, so yeah, they just need to keep this keep this ball rolling because we spoke about it before. They've got no European football. That's going to be upon us soon, and um, I I agree with uh, Alistair, uh, who's been on this pod and writes for the site that. They'd be my favourites. Yeah. Sorry, now the Milan fans. Are yeah, what have you done? What have you done? Uh, I just realised as you said that I've also said that Inter are my title favourites for most of the season. So maybe that's not t- rubbing the red half up of Milan. Right I do wonder if I'm doubling down because I I, I, I tipped them last season. It didn't, didn't quite come off. I mean, they uh, should anyway. be, right? They, they should win it. And if they don't, it's a failure. You know, it is, it is one of those seasons that if Inter don't win the Scudetto, it's very much their own fault that they didn't win the Scudetto, particularly with them not having European football after Christmas, which Milan very much do have. We'll see how far they go in the Europa League. But um, can we talk about the whole midweek thing? Because obviously there was a, a Derby della Maradona in the Coppa Italia quarterfinals. Apparently this is a fixture that doesn't need supporters to have a little bit of spice because Vito Zlatan Ibrahimovic basically just wants to fight with people now. He's not a footballer anymore. <laughs> he just wants to fight with people. First, there was Diego Godin against Cagliari when they won 2-0. Then it was Duvan Zapata when they lost 3-0. Then he picked the fight with Romelu Lukaku, who's probably one of the most likable people in Serie A. But Ibra wanted to fight him. So Ibra ended up almost fighting him. Um, it was a bit crazy, wasn't that? Oh, unbelievable. And even the rumoured comments that have come out of it, what they were saying to each other, oh, this is like high school type stuff, or at least my yeah. high school. Yeah, so I thought, oh, man, that brings me back. So all those personal attacks that they were saying to one another, oh, just unbelievable stuff. But I suppose it's all part of the psychological warfare and uh, Zlatan he's got that uh, arrogance about him so I you don't expect a guy like Zlatan to keep his mouth closed that's for sure yeah. <laughs> I tend to quite like what Zlatan gets up to on the pitch to be honest I I quite often smile at it and I think oh that's funny the the Duvan Zapata thing was different but look I've, I've got a horse in that race right I, I like Atalanta they are my team so I, I wasn't too happy about him and it was nice to see Atalanta win and the hold their own video afterwards. But this was the first time involving a team that I don't have any affection towards, Kev, where I I felt really uncomfortable with it. So at first I thought it was quite funny, but then as it continued and continued and continued, I was thinking, do you know what? I actually really don't like this anymore. And I know that a lot of the time commentators say, oh, you never like to see this when, in fact, you do like to see it. But there was something about the way that exchange was going that I really did not like seeing how it went. Yeah, I think that's what made it so uncomfortable was that it went on for so long. Mm. Um, Whether the referee brandishing cards earlier might have stopped them. 
Um, you know, there is an element to, you know, just letting two dogs bark at them, bark at each other and letting it cool down itself. Um, but yeah, the, the longer it went on, um, it, it arguably, because some of the audio picked it up so Yeah, easily, and it was in English as well. Uh, yeah, because obviously without the a, a Pat Sansiro, it probably made it even more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I think, again, I've not got a, a horse in either race. Whatever people tweet me over, I love or not for Milan. No, you're a Genoa fan. Um, was uh, Lukaku, you know, like you say, he seems such a placid, albeit, you know, dominant, physically mm-hmm. imposing player on the pitch. Um, and just seeing him go off, you think, I don't know. I suppose I got a little bit defensive of him because you think someone said something really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, but then you see who it is, and it's Ibrahimovic, and you think, well, you're waiting for that little sort of wry smile in the corner of his mouth mm. to think that they're just playing around, and it just did not stop. And that was that was the kind of unsavory part. I will say, Ibrahimovic was doing his usual smiling, like, oh, I'm not bothered by you coming at me, but. I saw something in Ibra's eyes that I have never seen before. I think that's standing, the first time he was... He's standing well enough back. Yeah, he yeah. was. I think he was a little bit worried for the first time in his career yeah. that someone would have him. Um, who's your money on if that gets into physical contact? Uh, Remember, right? So Ibrahimovic technically has a black belt. I think it's in karate, but it is an honorary black belt. So read into that what you will, whether or not he is actually of that ability. It might not be, it might not be the case, but um, I'm back on Romelu Lukaku all day in that. Yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's kind of a, there's kind of a feeling around these parts where I come from, and I grew up on a relatively rough council estate. Was that if someone starts like kicking at you in a fight, then they've got more fighting skills than you have, so you best back <laughs> away. Because you know, if you're only throwing punches at each other, that can easily sort of get grapply and roll for turn into mm. a role. If they've got the confidence and the ability to be kicking at head height, they've had some further training somewhere and you don't want to take a kick to the head. I think Lukaku just runs through the kick though, to be honest. He, he looked like he was ready and you rarely see that on a football pitch because footballers are always about hold me back, hold me back type of thing, right? But this was a little bit different. But anyway, third place, Roma are still there. Why are they still there? Because they beat Verona 3-1 this Sunday evening, which, I mean, that result comes as quite a surprise. But then you look at it th- things a little bit closer and the three goals came in nine first half minutes, Vito. And is it a case of like a 10-minute spell just kind of through this game for Verona? And then other than that, I mean, they were quite good in the second half, really. Yeah, you know, it did feel that way because uh, uh, Roma, look, they've been reasonably consistent, but they've been doing it more or less against the so-called smaller sides, against uh, the big boys they have had their struggles as we have touched upon in previous podcasts. Um, the way the way this game went, though, I look at the goals and I can't really help but feel that Verona weren't, uh, or they were quite poor in the defending. They just seemed a bit more open and uh, I think the positional Play was really off. It just seemed very uncharacteristic of them. Uh, for the second goal, um, the second goal there was a through ball. I think it was from Vertu, and then uh, Borja Mayoral set up the goal. And then even for the first goal with uh, Mancini and his header, how they managed to let that header get through, I just found it rather bizarre. So, um, as good as Roma were in that spell, I can't help but feel that. Uh, this was probably one of the poorest examples of the Veronese side in the defence, and they've probably been one of the best uh, defensive teams in the last two years. Again, if Verona don't, yep. don't lose their heads for 10 minutes of that game, then it either finishes 1-0 like the second half did, or, or maybe 1-1, because the second half was a much better reflection of them as a side, I think, and the overall contest, really. What happened then? Because Juric is a coach whose sides we often associate with, I mean, being disciplined, right? And sticking to plans and knowing what they're doing. But the first half wasn't really a reflection on that. No, well, the, the corner came over. Mancini heads it. The, the Verona defenders seem almost getting in each other's way to clear the ball away because it bounces once, not even maybe even twice before it goes into the net. 
Then you've got a terrible offside where the ball's just looped over and the goalkeeper comes far too out. Again, maybe because of the earlier confusion, doesn't trust his defenders. And then Mkhitaryan finds himself with a free shot on the edge of the box. And then really it's just a goalkeeping mistake for the third where Pellegrini hits it sort of hard and true. But the goalkeeper shouldn't be sort of spilling it right in front of him. He probably should be, be holding on to it. And um, Maral, 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 Maral reacts quick enough to sort of slip it in. So yeah, just call him oh, just call him Borca going forward. Yeah. It's easier, isn't it? Oh, I'll, um, I'll, I'll I'll kill one pronunciation at least a week on on it. So. It, it is another win though, Kev. Without Edin Dzeko, I mean that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, and I think because Bora's playing so well at the moment. Uh, he really seems to be thriving in sort of just picking up the goals for Roma. Mm. Is just another one of those Real Madrid departures that you look at them and think they could really do with somebody like you. But um, I'm not complaining because they've got Atalanta on the next round of the Champions League. So hopefully their crisis continues until March at least. Vito, Ebri McCauley scored what was, I believe, his first Serie A goal. Um He's quite an exciting player. He doesn't always show it, but when he does, he's got a lot of promise, him. When I saw him come onto the pitch in this game, I thought that he looked like someone that could really make a difference for the Giallo Blue. Uh, when I, whenever Verona had the ball, they looked a bit more creative and had a bit more attacking spark when he was on the pitch. So I think he deserved the consolation goal. And... Uh, yeah, just um, just I reckon uh, you would just uh, consider fielding him a bit more in uh, future games. It won't be easy to put him and Zakani in the same side, but uh, uh, because also Antonin Barak this season has actually been a decent acquisition for mm. Verona as well. But uh, even if he does come off the bench, he looks like someone that can add a bit more variation and a bit more of an attacking threat for Juric's team. Yeah, obviously they've brought Kevin Lasagna in to, to Verona as well, so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Kev, you were on reporting duty for Sampdoria nil, Juventus 2. You kind of just expect that that was a textbook Juve win, but I mean, it was 1-0 until, what, the 91st, 92nd minute or something, but how did this one go? Um, yes, Samp were quite conservative for the first 20 minutes, and then... Um, Juve kind of had one breakaway and easily worked the ball into Morata on the right-hand side of the penalty area and then sort of just rolled it across for Chiesa. And the probably the weather hampered both sides as much as as Eva did on each other because it was just it was torrential down you know downpours. And then suddenly in the in the second half, Sam had a couple of good chances. Um, Chiellini with a flying block from block from Quagliarella, obviously which. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was happy to see because uh, we want him to stay below those thirteen goals for the season. Disrespectful. Uh, um, <clears throat> but yeah, you kind of uh, with about twenty minutes left, and the weather's started to kind of clear up, and with it, Samp's kind of hopes of of getting into the game. You could kind of see it going. Um, Ranieri have made a lot of changes, but they they weren't really coming off. They were. Tired probably mentally by because you know Juve did control the tempo of the game, had all the possession, did look much better than they did earlier parts of the season that I've seen them, and um, yeah, they, they look they looked okay. Vito, I've got quite a specific question for you. It's about Antonio Gondreva because when he was at Inter, he, he basically he pissed a lot of people off. A lot of Inter fans got pissed off by him, and since he's got the Samp, there's a few Samp fans that I would follow on on Twitter and and what have it and. He seems to be pissing them off as well. I don't know. Are are you one of them? What is the problem with Antonio Candreva? Uh, I'm not one of those guys uh, that's uh, pissed off with Candreva. So I'm, I'm out of that group. I think other people. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It must be said, though, that he does have a fantastic work ethic, but it's just the accuracy of his crosses that can get frustrating while you're shooting. And it's uh, it's not a new issue. It's something that's been a big part of his career. And uh, it's just a shame because when they do work, when he gets a cross right, it's a lovely assist. When he puts the back in, ball in the back of the net, it's either an audacious chip, sorry, or it's a fabulous long-range shot while volley. So... With him, there's no middle ground. And I think it's that um, inconsistency that would frustrate a lot of people. Uh, he probably played his best football at Lazio, and that's probably where he was the most productive. But uh, it doesn't matter if uh, you support Samp or if you support Inter. If you've watched the Candreva play regularly, um, that work ethic might be admirable, but that efficiency on the ball, lack of it, uh, can really irritate people. So, yeah, I think that's what it is. Just uh, it'd be nice if he had been far more accurate or potent in his career. I think I've always been bothered by his decision-making. So he, he crosses when he should shoot and he shoots when he should cross or he shoots when he's, if he sees the goal, right? And by that, I mean, he could be 50 yards out but he has seen the goal. So he'll just take a shot and it's ridiculous. But Kev, you've got a theory as to, to why it's not working out for him. At some. Well, uh, it, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there about the decision-making, but yeah, I just wondered if the fans were still upset by that awful reveal video where Quagliar Allen was serving him lunch. There you go. Oh, we disagree on this because I thought that was a fantastic uh, signing announcement video, but look, we're never going to find common ground on that in the, I think it's fair to say, the biggest game of the weekend. I mean, Italy has three teams left in the Champions League. Two of them faced each other. I think that's quite a big deal. Atalanta played Lazio, having beaten them with 10 men in midweek. So naturally, Atalanta lost 3-1. And Kev, this is probably, I mean, it might be an exaggeration because they have had a few stinkers this season. But I think this is the worst I've seen Atalanta play this season. Yeah, and it was weird because I sort of sat there watching the game and they looked so sort of passive. And But usually I can kind of try and at least at least form my own uh, opinion of, of why they're struggling. And I know you tweeted a bit later after the game about the um, the importance of the, the wing-backs. But I, mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't quite put my finger on why it was. They just looked as though they were off the pace and just... Just something just wasn't right with the entire team against that Lazio. Although, again, we should give them some credit for the way they took their goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was it was odd because it was clearly, obviously, one of their worst games of the season. But you couldn't quite put your finger on what was happening. It wasn't, you know, what, however we categorise these things. You know, awful defending, like we said about Verona earlier. Uh, no connection between the, the attack and maybe the midfield. It was just all over the pitch. They just they just didn't look like the Atalanta we know and love. I think they aren't when the, when they don't have the two wing backs and Palomino played right. So you, they they're starting the goal down 
in that situation, particularly after his horror show against Lazio midweek because Romero had a what is, I believe, a false positive COVID test. He tested negative afterwards, but because of the positive, he wasn't allowed to play or something. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you could see this coming. Hattabor and Gosens are out. When one of them are out, Atalanta struggles. So when they were both out, I even tweeted before the game, this is going to be difficult. But yeah, and conceding within two minutes, it's something that Atalanta tend to do quite often. They don't start very well. And then they just didn't have anything but veto as bad as Atalanta were Lazio beat what was in front of them right Marusic scored a great goal early on Joaquin Correa scored and then Vera Morici scored as well um he obviously loves playing Atalanta the only team he scores against but big win for Lazio and they impressed oh yeah um it just really was one of those days where um yeah the Bianco Celesti were the ones that ended up on top uh, they do have those match winners, and uh, it, and the goals they scored too. I think uh, the Marisic one that was a superb strike from outside of the box. That was a really lovely way to open up the scoring, and then uh, Correa to get around the goalkeeper. Another cool finish. But uh, um, yeah, Marici is probably an interesting one. He's probably been someone that's copped a lot of flack from uh, Lazio supporters, but uh, he's finally finding the back of the net and uh, if he can uh, score more regularly for them I think that's a bonus too because uh, as we've said numerous times Immobile has been a fantastic goal scorer for them uh, they've had Caicedo um, uh, as an impact sub for quite a while but if uh, Marici can show that he's finally starting to adapt to Italian football I think that's just uh, an added bonus as for Lazio in general as a team, uh, you know, this is a very important win because Atalanta are a team who are expected to fight for a European spot. Lazio mm. are uh, part of that situation too. So if you can uh, knock off your rivals away from home, I think um, Simone Inzaghi, his players, and of course the fan base can be delighted with that. Oh, it's a huge win because it puts Lazio ahead of Atalanta as well. So, Lazio and Napoli both have 37 points. Atalanta are on 36. Juve are in fourth on 39. So it's very, very close and very exciting in there. But Kev, I heard a statistic from the, the commentary team before this game kicked off, and I took note of it because I knew you'd like it. But Lucas Leiva became the first Brazilian this century with 350 games in Europe. You love him. I do, yeah. I just, I've always really, really appreciated his sort of tactical awareness. Um Particularly if your side's underperforming. You know, I watched him for Liverpool live a lot when we were uh, under the likes of Hodgson and then Dalglish before Rodgers came in. And when your team is being overrun so frequently as it was when I was watching them, <laughs> he just, he just, you know, he's not a quick player, but he steps in suddenly and you realise that that's because of his tactical awareness. And I know a few people um, when he joined Lazio suddenly probably gave him more credit than they even thought that what they were getting. Obviously, he almost directly replaced Lucas Belia, who went on to Milan. And I, at the time, I think I probably even wrote something for the site to say, you're getting, mm. if not a better player, or he's certainly like the like player, they weren't, it wasn't going to make Lazio any worse getting him. And, and fair pay to the lad if he's got 350 games in Europe. Yeah, Luis Alberto as well. I mean, look... They're very, very different players, but they are so equally important to that Lazio team. And Alberto came back having had surgery for, was it appendicitis? I can't actually quite remember, but less than two weeks ago. And Vito, there, there were just some moments where Luis Alberto does this most simple thing, but you see just how good a player he is. He just looks so confident on the ball, whether it's doing something simple, something flashy, uh, he's probably the one that's going to provide that creative spark the most in the Lazio midfield. Uh, Lucas Slava, he's that guy that um, protects the defence, but uh, he's still a competent ball user. Uh, Milinkovic Savic is uh, more of a box-to-box player. He will add cover in defence, but uh, his main strength is uh, making those late runs from midfield and also scoring a uh, the outrageous goal from time to time. Uh, Luis Alberto um, is essentially the guy that really provides that link between uh, midfield and, ta- and attack. And he uh, um, does provide those options, which uh, Lazio need whenever they go forward. 
mm, last thing on this game, it was it was really nice to see Mario Pasalic make a return. He has been, <clears throat> excuse me, he's been out since Atalanta drew nil with Spezia, which I believe was in like the middle of November. Uh, made a return, scored on his return as well, which was quite nice. But obviously, Morici scored immediately after, so any chance of a comeback was defeated. Um, not that it would have been deserved if Atalanta did mount the comeback from that position anyway. Uh, yeah, Papa Gomez is gone, Kev. He, he's He's been sold to Sevilla. And, I mean, we, we talk about, we have spoken about before he came to Italy, in fact, Monchi's signings at Sevilla. And this is just another one. He's... He's picked them up for what is it, six million? I didn't see the fee, to be honest. I I, I think most of my focus was on your heartache and oh. um, an extremely good article that you wrote for Forza Italian Football. Um, That's the nicest thing you've ever said. And I, to be honest, I don't I don't have a lot of time uh, sometimes during a week to to read a lot of the, that gets published, you know. Um, but I knew that it would, you know, you've you've watched them so closely. And then it would be quite heartfelt that I gave it a read, and it was really, it was really, really nice. Which I think uh, people of that persuasion should probably go and give it a give it a read. But um, yeah, probably probably brought to my attention what else he'd given um, Atalanta, and obviously Seville at his age or Sevilla, sorry, um, won't get as much from him. But it was uh, probably you know I felt even more it was an even more disappointing end to his time after reading your article. Mm. Yeah, um, I wasn't expecting that. Thanks for that, but. Um... Yeah, I, I tend not to write things like that, you know, heartfelt things, but I, I couldn't help it. I just, I was starting to write about Papu's exit and it just, that's just what happened. But it, I've genuinely never felt this way about a, a footballer before, you know? I, I, I could see you hiding behind comic memes and tweets, mm. you know, to not let your future emotions out on social media. But I, I really can't explain it. There's, there's never been a footballer that I've felt these kind of feelings for before. And I think it's probably the fact that he was like the, the poster boy of this Atalanta who, I mean, it's easy to forget in his first season, Atalanta survived relegation by three points and they really should have gone down that season. He scored a big goal in the fight against relegation that, that helped them stay up. And then he scored a he scored the goal that on their European debut against Everton in, in the Europa League, he scored a huge goal away to Lyon. He scored the goal that clinched their, their first ever Champions League qualification at Sassuolo. He scored a huge goal in sending them through against Dynamo Kiev or Dynamo Zagreb. And it was like a little nutmeg and it was typically Papu. And then he led them back to the Champions League again. And yeah, it, it's really hard to, to explain why and it's really hard to give any sort of quantity to to how much I feel for for him as a footballer. But I said it in I think it was, was it a post on Twitter or Instagram. I can't remember. But there has genuinely hand on heart never been a player that I have enjoyed watching more than than Papu Gomez. And I think he's not just a loss for Atalanta. He's a loss for Serie A because what a talent he was and. I mean, off the pitch as well, he gave us our laughs, right? Even before the Papu dance, he was always quite funny on, on social media. It's, it's a big shame. It, it's a big shame to see him go. And I think I'm probably one of the most depressed people in the world this week because of it. But anyway, moving on, do head over to the website and read that article if if you want. If Kev says it's good, it must be. Um, so thanks for that, Kev. The weekend's action started, Vito, with a one-all draw between Torino and Fiorentina. Um. But it was, surprise, surprise, Andrea Bellotti saved Torino after Fiorentina had about 17 players sent off. <laughs> oh, yeah, it definitely yeah, seemed that way. It just thought, I was actually surprised that Fiorentina took the lead because of uh, Castrovilli's sending off. Uh, both teams were able to create a decent amount of chances, so I think it should have been more than 1-1. I think uh, particular uh, Vlahovic had hit the post in the first half, and then Simone Zaza hit the crossbar. But there were other chances too. Um, but yeah, just uh, it's a pretty good feeling for Belotti to get the goal because uh, um, Malenkovic, he had the audacity to t- put his forward against Belotti's. And uh, okay, Belotti probably milked the ball a bit, but you should not be doing that. So I think Malenkovic had a genuine brain fade. And then... Uh, <laughs> 
after going down to nine men, you'd think the Viola could not hold on for him. And I think it was fitting that Belotti did equalise because he's been superb despite being in a team which has been, let's face it, quite atrocious. Oh, they're dreadful. And they they have been for for quite a while, yeah. Kev? I, I, just on the uh, Milinkovic sending off, um, after the sending off, you know, Vito's cover that is stupid. Credit <laughs> credit to Belotti for for having ice treatment on his forehead for so long, really milking it, because Milinkovic would not lead the pitch. So it was like, I'm just going to keep having treatment until 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 he's actually off in case they pull it back to VAR and actually decide it's a yellow or something. And also I don't know obviously I don't know what coverage you were watching, but when Igor came on to replace someone to obviously shore up the defence, I hadn't I had never managed to spot how like so stacked he was as an individual. Oh, did you not shoulder, see did you not see Fiorentina's social media content when oh, no. one of our friends took over? Oh no, I, I can't off because I just couldn't believe how big this. How are you? How are you running with that upper body yeah. weight? Yeah, but, I know. But... the fr- The first time I saw him was at Spal. It was um the first game of last season, I believe. No, I can't. It was the first game of a season. I don't know what is what anymore. But Atalanta went to Spal, and I was there covering it. And Igor was playing like left wing back, and he was he was unbelievable. Just this big, huge man who looks like he could kill you. And he's doing stepovers and everything. It, it was a joy to watch that day. And yeah, so when when we get off this, I'll send you some videos that Vieri Capretta um, produced. Uh, Vieri, look, you know what you've done. I, I spoke to you in Florence about this as well. But yeah, basically just going big on how strong Igor is. Um, anyway, on to the other results. Parma lost again, Vito. But I guess this is probably a little bit of a, a, a more forgivable. Defeat, they lost 2-0 at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. It's a mouthful that I'm still not used to. Um, Napoli beat them this time. Um, yeah, well, Napoli being higher up the table than than Samp, who bet Parma last week, I think uh, to, win, to win in Naples would have been uh, a massive task for Parma. So, um, Parma, uh, sorry, Napoli did manage to win with a few... Um, like and uh, Elmas scored with a solo goal. Um, nice effort in terms of persistence and all that, but I can't help but feel that uh, probably the Parliament defence should have done a much better job closing them down. And then again, in this particular game, Parma did not offer a great deal. So I think the 2 0 win, I think it's uh, more than fair considering the way the teams are on paper, but even performance wise. Um, Parma did not look like a team capable of um, springing a surprise against the Partenope. Mm. Both sides had a man sent off as Udinese beat Spezia 1-0. Rodrigo de Paul and Ricardo Sapanara saw red and Rodrigo de Paul had scored a penalty to give Udinese the win. Kev? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a very entertaining game. I, I found myself a bit like you, uh, getting depressed looking at the lovely hillside around the stadium and wondering when I could get back to Italy it was a beautiful day mm. um but yeah not much of a not much of a game really um but you know Spezia took points from Udinese when they went to their place so all square for the season I'd say yeah um Spezia is next on your list of destinations I believe well, yeah, we. I was due to go to the Derby della Lanterna in Genoa, mm. uh, visit Genoa with the wife because she's not been to Genoa and we were going to take a, okay. a little trip down because uh, the games coincided and they we were hoping they'd be back in their, in their, um, in their stadium. So, um, yeah, next time I think I'll take some of the tips that yourself and some other social media followers said about staying elsewhere and just maybe dipping into Genoa for a day. Yeah, I'd stay in Spezia for a few reasons. One is that there's a direct train there from Parma, so I could be with you in about an hour and a half, an hour 45. And the second is Cinque Terre is one of the most beautiful places in Italy. Um, Like five little villages built into the, the cliff, like you'd see on the Amalfi Coast, but maybe a little bit better. Um, So yeah, I, I, stay there. I think the wife probably deserves a nice holiday there you go put up a year in, in lockdown with me you can't go wrong with betsy as a, as a region or as a province not the um 
city of Spezia mind so stay somewhere in Cinque Terre if you if you can. Um uh, nice description of that game. Cagliari Sassuolo finished one one veto. Oh look, with um Cagliari again, just a continuation of their bad form and uh, they could have had the win. They were that close, but mm. then Jeremy Boga, I think uh when he's fit enough or he's in form, he just uh, provides that much-needed much needed spark for the Nero Verdi, and uh, he got a much-deserved uh, equaliser. So, yeah, again, it's a swallow. Them two haven't had the best of runs lately, but uh, when Boga's on form, he's definitely someone that has often caught our attention. Mm. Two players, both goals goes. Rao Pedro obviously opened the scoring for Cagliari. Both of those could probably be playing at a higher level. I know Ben Hughes, our resident inside, and he loves Rao Pedro. Loves, loves, loves him. He also likes Jeremy Boga, but I, I, I feeling, I have a feeling that he might not like Boga so much this evening. Um, last game of the weekend. Well, it wasn't in terms of when it was played, but the last game we're going to talk about. Vito, don't worry, I'm not going to get you to comment on this. Crotone lost 3-0 to Genoa. Um, I can't believe what I'm about to say. Mattia Destro scored two more goals, and so did uh, Lennart Shibora, who is, I think, still on loan from Atalanta, but I don't really know. Kev, what's happening with Destro again? Wow, the, the, the comeback is on. He's going Mad. for top scorer. Genoa are five points from the top half. Five points off Sam. Um, these are the things that over the last probably two or three seasons you don't expect from Genoa. You know, two weeks on the bounce, they've beaten direct rivals for relegation places. You know, they've beaten Cagliari and Crotone, both sat in the, in, you know, in the relegation zone now and, and lifted themselves out of it to take sort of 21 points at the halfway stage, which given their, their, their struggles over recent years, you know, flirting with relegation, they probably take to have, to have 21 points or 20 mm. games gone. Um, but yeah, it's so unheard of. And, and you know, maybe that is, it's, it's the Destro factor because he's kind of having a, a resurgence, which feels like it goes back to the levels of when Genoa last sort of flirted with the top half of the sta- of, of Serie A, which was what, 10, 12, 13 years ago? Was it 2008, 2009 they had? Uh, no, Gasparini. Who... Gasparini got them into Europe, kind of. Did he? Okay, so then that's what Seven years ago, maybe. Um, it's still so long ago. It was probably the last time anybody thought Destro was going to do much of his career. So a little mini resurgence from Mattia. The 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 Destro impact it sounds like something that would be detrimental to a side. The fact that you've re- used it in in a positive sense is a little bit jarring. I don't know how to to react to it, but it is crazy. He's probably having the best form of his career at this season. He looked like he knew it as well, celebrating the second goal. <laughs> it was like he dropped to his knees and he was screaming to the to the to the heavens. Mm. And I'm thinking, what's he screaming? Oh my god, I'm in double figures. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. That's, it's that's like, all. oh, I'm gonna get that boot deal they always offered me if I got to double figures. Oh. Anyway. I, I noticed that when he scored. It was two against Milan he scored as well, I think, right? And when he scored the first goal, he was a bit surprised looking when he got the second he looked like he was dreaming which I suppose he could understand given his history as well guys that is all for the football so that means it's time for the game oh I thought my statistics might have filled the time that we had for the game no no Never mind. there's always time okay. the game isn't a filler Kev the game uh, is essential are you calling my statistics a filler <laughs> you said it I didn't. If that's what you think, you can only imagine what I think. Right. Uh, Vito, you can go first. The two minutes are on the clock starting now. Is this play Italian? The player is not Italian, no. Do they play in Northern Italy? They do play in Northern Italy, yes. Do they play for either club in the city of Milan? They do not play in that city, no. Is it a club from Emilia-Romagna? The club do not play in Emilia-Romagna, no, sorry. Do they play in the city of Genoa? They do not play in the city of Genoa. (laughs) Okay, Um, is the player from Atalanta? The player does not play for Atalanta, so we've ruled out Atalanta, Inter, Milan, Genoa, Sampdoria. 
Is is the player from Spezia? The Connor? player does not play in Liguria, oh, no. I heard a hesitation in your voice when I said Genoa. <laughs> oh. Does the player play for one of the clubs in Turin? No. Oh, God. <laughs> they don't play in Turin. Do they play for, do they play for Udinese? <laughs> they don't play for Udinese. <laughs> Is it a Hellas Corona player? <laughs> it's not, no. There's only one more club in the north. Oh, God, now I'm under pressure. Remember, the north oh. is north of Rome, right? So anything north of Rome. So, oh, no, wait there. Flo- uh, Fiorentina. Yeah, the, it's a Fiorentina okay. player, correct. Right, okay. And You have 35 seconds left. Oh, God. This Fiorentina, is amazing. Amrabat? It's not Amrabat. You should have asked a position there, really, Vito. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, is the player a defender? Player is a defender. Vito's closing in. He's like a shark. Okay. Is it, uh, was it Herman Petzella? It is Sherman Petzella. Oh. Yes. And you know what? Do you know what? It was going to be Igor. But then Kev mentioned oh. Igor. So I had to change last minute. So uh-huh. I went for Petzella. Um, so... My next guess would have been Igor, oddly. So I yeah. would have probably gone Petzella. Because I, I kind of think of I kind of think of Petzella for some reason, Italian. I don't think why it's just because he captains the side or some weird brain. I know what you mean. I, I, yeah, I'm, it's quite. It is an Italian name, so I would imagine his family yeah. is of Italian heritage, like a lot of people in Argentina. But and I think, I think because of his because his first name German makes me think. Oh, that's what it. Oh, that's the trick one. He's actually Italian. Oh, there you go. Right. Um, there's also Giuseppe Petzella, who's actually Italian and plays for Parma. Yeah, exactly what I was going to yeah. say there. Yeah. Um, so Petzella is your name. So yeah, yeah. Um, often got them mixed up for a, for a while in terms of names. I always forget Giuseppe's first name. I, I must say I enjoyed that game more than most weeks because I think because you were wrong like, with every question. No, no. I think it, I felt like we it felt like we were whizzing through it. There was no sort of hesitation. It was a nice, quick, snappy game. Um, anyway, but it's always two minutes maximum. You're still <laughs> listening, people. Uh, yes, but you know, Vito's tactical tactical pauses in his questions. You know, I've always, I've always, I've always been very vocal of Vito's tactical pauses. I might have to start another spreadsheet with uh, a whether we've done the same person twice and how many times Vito pauses in, uh, in our game. The, that, that's my competitive go edge coming up. Say goodbye, Kev. Uh, ciao, ciao, everybody. Goodbye, Vito Doria. Goodbye, Connor Clancy. And goodbye from me, Kev. Say goodbye again. Oh, goodbye, everybody. I can't use Italian. <laughs>
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 